0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in the industry. I'm Liam McDade, co-founder of Evolution Australia, and today I'll be your host. Okay, welcome to the latest episode of Evolution Exchange podcast and our second in the special talent acquisition series, where we're going to be talking about balancing skills and culture when hiring for a scaling tech company. We have a panel of industry experts today who are ready to share their thoughts and insights with you on this topic. So let's get into the intros. Over to you, Ange.
1: Hey, thanks, Liam. Great to be here. I'm really excited for this chat with Rich, Matt, and Rebecca. Um, my name's Ange Pelahinjak. I'm the people and culture lead at 460 Degrees, where I'm um, an expert management agency um, focused in digital transformation.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Ange. Welcome. Uh, Matt, over to
1: you.
2: Thanks, Liam. Yes. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, Matt Woodard. I'm head of um, talent for Slalom Build um, uh, in Australia. Um, we've um, grown our business over the last like, two years to about 300. So, you know, that's my background has very much been um, sort of joining, you know, growing and scaling businesses. So excited to hear from the rest of the panel today. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Richard
3: yeah thanks Liam um, I'm Richard Shields um, I'm one of the executive recruiters for crypto.com um, we're a global cryptocurrency exchange and financial services organization we've gone from oh very roughly about sort of 600 people about um, 12 months ago to I believe about to tick past five and a half thousand people by the end of this month um, so when it comes to scaling we've uh, yeah we've been doing it a lot <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, And Rebecca.
4: Yes. Hi, everyone. Um, Rebecca Powell. I'm the director of people and culture at Intelligence Bank. We are a Melbourne based marketing operations SaaS company. Uh, Been around for 12 to 13 years, but only in the last couple of years have we really started to scale. Haven't hit Rich's numbers. Um, I'm a team of one and we've doubled in size since I started. So I think that's kept me busy enough.
0: Awesome. Okay, so um, thanks everybody. Great to have you with us. Um, so, where has today's topic come from? So, I guess it's a, it's a universally accepted wisdom that skills and culture are both critical when hiring people into a team, but in reality, that's sometimes difficult to achieve, and you know compromises are made, um, often with a, a less than desirable outcome. Where we wanted to start the conversation today was with how we assess culture um when interviewing candidates and and this is something you specifically wanted to talk about today so i'll hand over to you to kick things off
1: yeah thanks liam um it's a really meaty question isn't it you know how do you assess culture um i had a good chat today with um my managing director here um to yeah, get his his thoughts on it. I had a chat with our talent um, our talent acquisition lead as well, and it's funny the first word that we all reacted with when asking one another the question um, was gut. Um, so you know, I think there's a huge element of um, when we're talking to people and, and looking for them to join our organisation. There's a huge reliance um, and dependency going towards our gut feeling. Um, The reason I think for that is I think culture is a really hard thing to determine anyway and to really concisely put it down into words. 460 Degrees as I said before it's an expert management agency Um, we're trying to break the mould in um, in the consulting industry so we're doing something that's sort of never been done before so that in itself makes it hard you know to to spit out in a really concise um, way so um, we know what we're doing we know what we're driving towards and there's definitely a gut feel for people that sort of will match that journey with us. A huge part of what drives our culture though is our values and I think that's um, probably aligned with a lot of other organisations. You know, your values really, really drive um, a huge part of your culture. So um, the gut is definitely a a major component and then we obviously talk a lot about our values with anyone that we, you know, we engage with in in early conversations and start talking to. Um, We're very transparent with our, um, our values because of the, I guess, importance of them with our organisation. Our values are really simple. It's trust. Each one of those words, uh, each one of those letters, you know, represents um, another value. So we're teamwork, unity, relationships, simplicity and transformation. And when we talk about 460 degrees, it's really easy to sort of explain each one of those values and how that represents you know, 460. So everyone is very conscious when we do meet with people to to openly discuss our values, talk about how we do things, our ways of working, how we operate. Um, and I think that that conversation alone, you know, having that with the individual really helps that person understand how we operate, you know, the, the kinds of ways that we do things. And I guess it's then leaving the ball in their court a bit, to be honest, and kind of, you know, going along with our gut, our gut, Handing it over to them, giving them complete transparency about how it is, or what our values are and how we do things, and really leaving the ball in their court. If they want to keep talking and our guts giving us all those right warm fuzzy feelings that we all you know love when we meet people and think yeah they're the one, um, then we kind of continue on from there. Um, it's not a tick box process for us. Um, we don't do psych testing and try, you know, have a, a psych test result, if you like, spit out someone's eligibility to, you know, work with our organisation or about uniqueness. Um, and that's really hard to assess. And I do the, you know, the funny ears here because, you know, how do you assess someone's uniqueness? Um yeah, that's, that's really as, as simple and it might sound a little bit um, unique, but that is how, how we, we roll um, at 460.
0: Yeah, I think one of, the, one of the challenges with with the whole, the, the concepts of culture is the kind of ambiguity of it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an intangible to an extent. Um, and, you know, you'd naturally have multiple people um of different people interviewing potential candidates to join your business. Um, and each of those people will have a different interpretation of that and a different way of um a different gut, right? Um yeah. a different way of thinking yeah. about thinking about how someone might might demonstrate that. So I think that kind of just adds into the complexity with the skills side of it. That's a yeah. lot more tangible and, and, and measurable. But I think the, the you know the 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 intangibility of culture is what is what makes it a bit more a bit more difficult. Matt, what are your thoughts on that?
2: So I, I was just interested to I mean to just to hear that. I think that's that's quite a it's been quite a common sort of approach to um to interviewing. But I just wonder what where whether you have found that's opened you up to too much um sort of bias in, in terms of your interview process and uh you know if you're getting the same people interviewing on guts, then then are you actually getting the, the, the diversity and the uh, kind of um Different difference of thought and experience of background that you're looking for or are people going on gut based on what they what they are looking for?
1: I think uh, it's a really good question, Matt. We have a lot of different avenues in ways in with regards to how people come into our organisation. Um, so with that, I guess it's um, there's a lot of different people involved that get involved. So, um, each one of those individuals or areas of the business, if you like, are really connected to the values. Um, so, that alone, and then the diversity of the people doing interviewing and attracting, leaves it quite open and broad. Um, again, because 460 Degrees is, we're really driven by uniqueness, we're about empowering someone brings along to the table. Um, so that in itself, you know, that's the hard part to really, to really nail down. Um, but once we kind of get that um, I guess get get that feeling for lack of a better word, but that feeling and identify that uniqueness, we know we've got something really special there.
0: Rebecca, what do you your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, well, I guess it was sort of a follow-up question as well, because culture, assessing culture for an organization doesn't quite work because you you need to be looking at um, culture within team as well, because you can have some very different dynamics. I'm just keen to understand, I guess, in terms of Ange and the 460 team approach to, to identifying who's going to be doing the interviews um, and then identifying, um, I guess, you know, what's going to be that culture for a person within technology or that cultural fit for someone within finance and marketing. So, And when, when you and your team are, when you're, you're working with your stakeholders to prep for the interview, is the, di- the diverse culture within teams taken into consideration as well, or are you sort of generally aiming for that sort of broader 460 culture fit?
1: Look, um, I think initially, or no, I think, sorry, but initially I think it's going for a, a broad fit. Have they got that overall fit for the organisation? Uh, but our stakeholders get involved very early on to help determine their team's fit as well because it's um, extremely important. We have a very diverse um a very diverse team um here you know neuro inclusivity is a really big part of what we do at 460 um and so we get everyone as involved as early as possible to help determine that to make that successful
2: match yeah. Matt what are your thoughts so there's just a lot of mention around um culture fits and um it's it strikes me that that's certainly my the last few roles I've had that we've kind of moved away from from that looking more sort of more of a holistic sort of cultural ad um is is that something is that am i just am i just misunderstanding your your sort of interpretation of culture fit is that is that kind of what you're you're sort of looking at Ange? um or is it really is it really we want more of you know we know what we know the kind of personality that fits the work at the moment this is what we're kind of looking at
1: no, I guess it's, it's a little bit of both in the sense of we want someone that's going to join the organisation and, and um, I guess, embrace the ways of working, and embrace the ways that we do things and embrace our, our values. Um, but we also want people, again, going back to that, you know, really celebrating uniqueness, we want people to bring themselves. And we, um, we really pride ourselves in having a very open kind of, you know, um, like I said before, that diverse way of working
0: Had your hand up there,
3: Richard, Did you want to answer that? Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and, you know, for me, um, prior to coming to crypto.com, I spent 10 years um, in the executive search industry, so I worked with multitude of organisations across Australia Um, and, you know, there's organisations that do um, assessment of culture fit well and there's organisations that don't and know for me there's all like especially when you start to get to a certain size going off good starts to become really difficult because you get further and further away from the core group of people that built an organization so moving towards a more quantitative values fit assessment I think is more important because that way you will bring people in that will have diversity of thought as opposed to that good feel the number of hiring managers that I've spoken to post interview like how did that how did they go and the reaction is Oh, I really like them. OK, well, I'm glad you like them, but you know, can they do the job? What are they going to add? Um, these are the sorts of questions that we need to start getting to the crux of. And again, I'm not saying like, what organizations do it right or wrong. Um, I just think the size of the organization really does have an impact on how well that good feel style of recruitment can be done.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's um, kind of leads us nicely into into Matt's point, which you've you kind of alluded to there already, Matt about. Um, yeah, I suppose it's particularly important when we're talking about scaling companies, um, you know, significant growth in headcount and and you know different types of people and different types of roles um, around. Um, and I would put words into your mouth, Matt, but um, you know the, the 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 balance of hiring for today's culture versus the culture that we want to evolve. To or, um, you know, a future state or, you know, what can they, what can they bring to our existing culture rather than fitting the one we have today and put some more context into that.
2: Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think culture is culture is absolutely uh, an evolving, an evolving thing and, and absolutely should be the, the your, the, the culture that you have for a, a startup of 10 people versus, you know, where Slalom um, is now of nearly 300 has, um, has changed and, and, and should change. Um, so it's 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 definitely a um, it's definitely a difficult thing to to manage, and I think um, you know we are all the we are all the custodians of of culture. I think it's uh, it's it's an important thing that that is kind of driven from um, from the top. There's an awareness that things do change and will need to change as a result of growth so quickly. Interested to hear, you know, I thought we were on a I thought we were on a bit of a journey, and obviously, you know, uh, Rebecca's. Rebecca's team is as well, but really interested to hear how Rich has um has managed to uh, sort of um deal with that with, with you know
3: adding six thousand people
2: in, in a year.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm I I am quite lucky, Matt. Um I've only been on board for seven weeks, so uh, <laughs> I haven't been part of the the, 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 the full journey. Um but, you know, and, and again, oh, you in know, seven weeks back...
2: in seven weeks you've probably added about six hundred people yourself anyway, right? Based on that. <laughs>
3: not personally but I reckon you're probably not far (laughs) off actually um but you know for for me it really again goes back to ensuring that the the values that your organization have are actually current to what you want because it's the values that determine your culture um and and I mean that you know you you can you can have a room full of people that have got differing views on things but ultimately have the same set of underlying values that underpin why they do what they do um and I think, again, you know, one thing that I've always tried to do through my career is when I'm speaking to people, either pre-interview when we're designing how we're going to bring someone on board to post-interview and, and getting that feedback is asking the questions around, well, either how is, this person, how is this person going to demonstrate that they've been able to change the status quo where they've been, or how did they talk about that? And it's getting those kind of examples that will highlight not just the values right but how have they actually gone about that in the past and it's it's not it's not i know it's not you know a mathematical equation here but past performance and future performance so you can start to look at the way someone operates and how they do it and how they can bring that to your organization i think that's really the crux of how you're going to evolve the culture the way that you want to move it to and again it's having leaders that have a clear understanding of where that culture needs to head toward
0: Rebecca, what do you think?
4: Um, well, it's more of a question, I guess, than, than than an opinion or follow-up, but I'd be curious to understand with, with, with all of you guys, what are you doing with regards, I guess, training, supporting, and developing the interviewers? Because it, it's great to talk about the, the growth and scale and, you know, committing to, to interviewing and assessing against values, but... All too often when you're growing at pace, managers are just being, or interviewers are just being flung into the interviews. And there's not, it's just often assumed when you work to the values, you can interview and, and assess to the values. And actually, very often that's not the case. We might have new managers or you've got people with a lot of, uh, I guess, bad habits. So I'd, I'd love to know what what you folks are actually doing to try and protect and, and grow that process to ensure that you're you're having a value add um, to, to your cultures
2: yeah I'll jump in if um, if nobody minds um so there's a few things that um, that slalom um, have done um, and continues to do really well and the, 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 there's two main things really I think the, the first thing is that um, everybody uh, at leadership level um, is uh, is an interviewer. And everybody um, who joins goes through a, a pretty a pretty rigorous um, behavioral interview training um, session. So it focuses on um, on all aspects. so it is it is actually how to go about you know first first of all of how to conduct an interview and then you know what what we look for in terms of you know uh, values driven uh, interviewing and um, you know and really sort of focusing around that that sort of thing. Um, making sure that we're very clear about the um the, the 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 different types of interviews we're expecting, whether it's more technical and what that looks like, and or and on the behavioral side as well, you know what we're aiming, what the the aim of those interviews is to do and what the out, what the outcomes we're looking to 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 see. Um, so that's that's that that's that's a sort of pretty intense half day um, session with everybody following that, then um all interviews, all new interviews to to them, regardless of whether they've interviewed for twenty years the, um prior to that, they all are they or shadow three interviews with um with with one of the with one of the uh, other hiring managers, and then they are shadowed on three interviews as well. So with the aim of um, basically having an understanding of um, Of the the way of doing things, but obviously with that context of why they're doing it, what we're looking to achieve uh, in the background as well. So so far, we found it to be um, to be pretty effective.
0: Sounds incredibly thorough.
2: Um, I think
0: that's um, yeah. The uh, you know, getting 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 alignment of 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 thought and opinion in any group of people is uh, you know is a a, a fool's errand. But um, you know, having yeah. Putting people in a position where they're seeing other people do that—you're still going to get, you know, people are still going to have their own interpretations of things and and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, that sounds yeah, that's a r- 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 real good it. takeaway. Yeah. For, for me. Well,
2: right? look, and bringing it back to the uh, bringing it back to to the, the culture element of the, of this discussion, um, what our process is, is is four stages, and two of those stages. So one of them is a technical interview, and and two are um, behavioral interviews. And so that it it is a very deliberate focus for us because we um because we sort of we are so protective of of our culture that we make sure that we have um different opinions from different leaders that have different capabilities around our culture so it's you know it's more and it's it's a very deliberate thing that there's more focus around that than there is necessarily around technical skills which can often be it can often be the other way around, so it's kind of a further sort of point to our focus, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the, you know, on our side, being a, you know, a a recruitment agency, we are constantly all day, every day interviewing candidates um, for other companies. Um, You know, and and each company has different culture, different skills, requirements, different values, and and all these types of things. And you know, and that's that's our bread and butter. Being able to be able to assess and identify that to a, you know, to a particular brief from a particular client is, it's what we do right that's 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 our job um when it comes to interviewing people internally for our own business it's actually a lot more challenging you think logically interviewing people for ourselves should be you know should be should be in the park this is what we do all day um but actually it's it's a lot more it's a lot more difficult because um you know you're you're used to yeah you we know, I, I suppose the the we're not the decision makers when it when it comes to interviewing for our clients we're we're influencers and we're you know we we're, we're part of the we're part of the process almost without the burden of of decision making right we're, that's, we that's we we are you know um that's that's our client's job um but then when it comes to when it comes to you know internal recruitment recruiting people to, to work within whenever within evolution it's um yeah it's definitely 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 harder But you think shouldn't really be the case but um I suppose that that uh you know final assessment uh, uh, part that
2: that we don't always have to do on on, on our client roles it's refreshing to um, it's refreshing to hear that because that's that's absolutely the hard day that they are for me the hardest and um, people to to recruit for uh, fellow recruiters mm-hmm. i find it the most i find it the most excruciating um process i don't I do I don't know why but maybe it's i'm glad it's a shared a shared, a shared issue my, biggest
4: fail. my worst hire was actually hiring a recruiter for a couple of jobs ago i think yeah I, I bombed that one put my hand up absolute car crash
1: we're in a really similar position here being professional services so we're often hiring you know for clients um i mean and, and gig, you know, start date, end date and that, it it seems to be quite an easy process. But when we're looking for that person to join the 460 journey, um, a lot more a lot more that goes into that i think there's a lot more connection and conviction to the cause and that really that right fit and that that right cultural fit if you like you know so we've got that person and here to make them successful at 460. interesting you say that rebecca that i have to say you know we um it plays different people very frequently but when it came to looking for someone to join our talent team it took us months <laughs> I well, think okay. making made- it was really
4: challenging I swear I didn't apply any of the rules I ask all of my other hiring managers to follow it just <laughs> every, everything I did I did wrong and if the, another hiring manager had done that I'd have been having strong words with them. Um, <laughs> to, to be a little facetious I think the best test is will they stack or empty the dishwasher in the office kitchen and what are they like when there's a couple of drinks going around the office so uh, I think that's generally <laughs> a good test but the challenge is, and Richard said it earlier, you know, you ask the manager, what did you think of this person? And you go, I like them. Well, of course you should like them. Any candidate worth their salt is putting their absolute best foot forward to make a good impression. So you want to like them at the end. And the trick is working with the interviewers, working with your your, your team to identify the right questions to ask, the right measures to put in place so that you can get look past. The sunny disposition, and the winning personality, and actually get to the crux of whether or not they're going to to add to your team and add to your company's success.
0: Yeah, I think that's um, it's yeah been been, been eye opening. I think it's been a a, a bit of soul searching there in our uh, various uh, various points and things that we've remembered through that through that process. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Um, cool. Okay, so so I think that again nicely leads us on to, on to Richard's point around um, you know we all. We all know, right? Let's say it's a, it's a universally accepted wisdom that um, you need skills and culture, and culture is just as important as skills. Um, but as I, as I alluded to at the start, doesn't always doesn't always happen that way. Um, and Rachel, I'll hand over to you to to um, to introduce the point, but it was around reconciling the the need for that culture balance with the skills in the face of. Uh, uh, An incredible, um, you know, need for speed or you know, pressure to high at speed, which certainly within crypto.com it sounds like has you know an incredible level of uh, of speed required um, successfully. But you know, I'll I'll leave you to introduce your point on that.
3: Yeah, it's actually. um, I mean, look, the the the, the business pressure itself, excuse me, um, isn't something that I've experienced yet at crypto.com, but. Now it's it's certainly been said by you know, a number of leaders that I've worked with over the last few weeks that you know our biggest challenge is that um, we feel that we you know haven't been necessarily growing as quickly as we you know as we would have liked. Um, and you know, then you think about the numbers and you just think that's just mind blowing. Um, but you know for, for people that work in talent and uh, whether or not it's um, you know a formal KPI or not. You know I know so many internal recruiters um, that have got KPI or pressure around time to hire. So, especially if we're considering, um, you know, tech people where skills are short at the best of times, um, you know, you start to bring in the idea of really having you know, to hire for, you know, great culture fit. Um, you, know, you might have, busy, you know, might have new projects that are coming up, so we need these people yesterday. Um, and how how often do your hiring managers say, oh, when do you need them? Oh, yesterday, I, I need them as soon as possible. Um, so I'd, I'd just love to hear from other people how you've gone about reconciling that balance for, of, of finding the right skills and culture fit, but also meeting all of those speed requirements.
4: Look, Rich, I think if any of us had the answer to that, we'd probably be able to sell it. <laughs> um, what we've done, so in my current role and in my last role, um, we, we were, I guess, sc- scaling quite rapidly. And I think when when you do have that, that growth, it allows you a bit more comfort to take some risks and and, and chances on on the people coming through because everybody's still learning. There's a lot of change happening all the time and bringing people in who are ticking all of the skills boxes, they often take just as long to get used to that change of pace or or get used to the product or, or, or the environment that you're as well off having taken the chance and investing in someone with slightly less experience. So in my previous company, we actually hired someone as a a developer, and it was their first job as a developer. They'd actually spent their career being a a, a GP. Um, Just today, I made an offer to someone who hasn't worked in six years, but they'll be getting back into the swing of things with us simply because we recognize that, the time it takes for anyone coming in, adjusting to the pace, getting used to the tech. We use a tech stack that not many use. We use Elixir at the back end. So not too many companies using Elixir makes my job a little harder. But yeah, so we would just rather invest that time because we know that whether you're highly experienced or or don't have as many years under under your belt, you're still gonna need that adjustment period. And so that allows Mm -hmm. us Place more emphasis on the, the cultural side of things.
2: Mm. Matt, it's amazing that um, that you've got the the ability to to support that. Um, but, uh, Rebecca, it's, that, that's a great thing to great thing to hear, and it obviously helps create that diverse, you know, quite a diverse team. Team. To your point, though, uh, Rich, um, I think there's there is definitely a balance to be um, to be had between. Um, between pace and obviously maintaining the culture. I think it goes back to that that old um that old adage around you know what, what the impact of of a bad hire is when you're a small company versus when you're when you're scaling. And I think this is in the last couple of years as as we've grown, you know, we were very we were very mindful of that and very deliberate to make sure that that we you know we really took our time to get that core foundational group of people in place so that we we could we could run quicker from there. So I think it was it was sort of you know, going, you know, going a little bit slower in order to go faster at, at, at the end, which is kind of, you know, where we, where we are. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the impact um, of, of a bad hire now is, is, a, is, a, is a lot less than it, than it could have been um, otherwise. So I think that making sure there's that balance in addition to obviously making sure that your your hiring team, um, you know, have had sort of all the tools to be able to make, you know, you know, 99 times out of 100 make the right decision around, um, around hiring. Yeah.
3: Mm. So, look. Here's what because I've been thinking about this because this because this is something that I'm sort of coming to terms with at the moment. Which is, uh, I've, and again, going back to, you know, having a career in exec search. Where you know, look like you, you, like, you know, typically, um, I think for the roles that I've been recruiting across Australia and, and other parts of the world, you know, you're looking at three to six months of, of solid work to bring some like to get someone to offer stage. Um, and so I haven't had the same sort of pressures as a lot of other recruiters out there, but it's certainly certainly something I feel um, over this role and my last role as well to a degree. But um, and it's interesting; it's, it's, it, it isn't being talked about as much. But uh, talent acquisition, to me at the moment, and again through the, a lot of people that I know in that space, you know, it almost seems to be, you know, with the it's the it's the end of the chain almost. It's you know by the time something gets to talent acquisition, everyone's known that we needed a position filled for a long time and by the time it gets down the chain to us that you know, now we need to do something about it and wouldn't it be great instead if <clears throat> if we were involved in proper workforce planning and the budgeting process and you know if we were kept in the loop of what was happening from a business perspective with projects that were going out there to try and win. Um, you know, if we know instead of we need this person yesterday, it's we need this person. We probably need this person in three months from now. Um, now, that's where talent acquisition can start to add some real value around um, talent pipelining, talent community building, um, broader networking, um, all these other things. And then you know, that really reduces all the time to hire. It means that you get your culture fit right. Um, and you know you can identify these people early, but you know pe- people just don't seem to be um, pushing it as much as they possibly could do. And look, maybe that's me being naive. Um, I've only been on the internal side of the fence for um oh, about a year now. Um so before that was all on the external, um external side. Um so look, maybe I'm just way off bat with that, but look, I'd love to hear your takes on it.
4: You you you're describing the dream there, Rich. Um it is difficult, I think, when you're in the bigger <laughs> organization and uh you're you're a TA member manager and you've got a bigger HR team and then it depends on where they sit within the exec function, all the rest of it. Um, I'm very fortunate. My last two roles, I've been directly with the reporting to the CEO or part of the executive leadership team. So when you're in a small but growing organization, you have, I guess, that luxury of of being part of those conversations. But absolutely, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I've been in, I've been internal for gosh, a few years now. Um, and yeah, it, it is one of the, the bigger challenges to, to have that voice. And I think the fact that, to be honest, for HR or people in culture functions, their voice has been amplified more in the last couple of years than ever before. I think it's moving in the right direction. Um, but mm. for those bigger organizations, it is going to take a, a while to change. I guess I would, I'd be encouraging those TA teams to be having the conversations anyway find out who you can talk to who are those decision makers so even if you're not getting the official green light you're still being proactive you're starting to do the sourcing having a think about the the those workforce structures um so whilst you might not necessarily be quite inside the tent you're, you're peering through and you get an idea of, of what's coming around the corner
0: and in, in your role where, where do you where do you sit in terms of that that balance of you know, uh, being part of the uh, part of the conversations with the leadership team, I imagine you're probably quite close to that.
1: Yeah, I am from from a people and culture perspective, a little bit different. We're at 460. We have our talent acquisition team and people and culture. We work very closely together, but we are two different people. Um, So um, you'll meet Haradini Liam, I think, in a few, or you've already met her, but she'll be on in a few weeks' time. Um, So she looks after everything, I guess, from, um, you know, attraction, sourcing attraction, right up to the point of hire, and then really that's where where I take over. Um, But I couldn't agree more with everything you said, Rebecca, and we're, we're witnessing that here. Um, here, As I mentioned, I work really closely with, with Haradini, our talent lead. Um, she's the, the way that she's been working with some some of our, um, I guess, our key stakeholders within the business and also their clients, when she's being able to be more involved with both the client and, and our internal stakeholder, she's being able to add so much more value. So that real talent acquisition function, you're just being able to watch it fly, you know, she can apply the market knowledge, she can create strategies. Um, It's just it's so much um, more value to the process. um, than, as you said, Rich, waiting for it to come down. And it's usually goes around and around and here and there by the time it actually gets to talent, um, you know, it becomes very reactive. Um, So yeah, being able to be a part of that process as early as possible and apply that strategy. I can't can't speak of it highly enough.
0: Yeah, Rebecca. That um, to to your point um, on the uh, on on the topic list today, um, yeah. we've identified the the, the 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 process. We've identified the the, the need for it. Um, mm-hmm. But how do we walk away from bad culture fits when they've when 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 there's the speed requirement when they're when they're technically technically perfect for the role in terms of their skills? How do we how do we get that courage or that bravery to 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 walk away when you know? Oh, it's okay. What? They'll be fine.
2: <laughs> honestly
4: I'll, I'll be I'll be frank it, it's easy to do um, if you have a clear vision of what your culture is and you have that sense of identity you will do what is needed to protect it I think and you were talking about that before as well um, so I have retracted offers on a couple of occasions um, for a variety of different reasons and I have no regrets And this is after it's taken me ages, I'm trying not to swear, but there's a swear word in in, inserted in there, ages to find some of these people. And then it's taken me subsequently ages to find another person. But zero regrets, because we talked about this before, the cost to the team, the cost to the business of hiring the wrong person is far too great. So I make no apologies, and I'm very fortunate that with the managers I have, with the CEO and the leadership structure that that we have at Intelligence Bank, they have always backed those calls. And it's simple little things. Um, I made an offer to someone, and the whole—it's it, like I said, you know—you get the best foot forward when they when they're in the interview. And immediately after making the offer, all the flags started coming through their language, their tone, the response, everything was just off. They didn't have anything else lined up. They weren't working. This job would have given them an income. But the entire attitude the whole way through that it was just so off. And I would rather walk away. Um, And I did. And I will do so again in the future. Uh, It is, it's a no brainer. Um, whether it's the culture that you have now or the culture that you want to have in the future, if anyone's going to threaten that and negatively impact that, the knock-on effect to others is far too far too damaging.
2: Yeah, uh, Matt, what do you think about that? You know, so I I wonder, and, and i can like hundred percent agree with Rebecca. I mean, absolutely, that's that's the right thing to do, and, and certainly I've I've had to do that as well. Um, I wonder whether there's the whether people are getting a lot more pressure um, in the last couple of years, especially to to hire with the demand, demand for talent increasing as it is, um, whether the people are being more prepared to overlook some of these, um, some of these kind of uh, traits. I mean, you know, most companies you work for have a no no dickheads policy, but you know, it's it's invariably that you end up hiring um, some dickheads because they're because they're exceptional at what they do. Just, um, just kind of limited in in some other areas. So, you know, I wonder whether I, I was interested to speak to panel, panel, um, which maybe with obviously the volumes that um, you you um, you're going through, whether you've kind of had to be a bit more tolerant of of certain personality traits and quirks because you're because you know to your point, you may you may need an you may need an Alexa dev desperately, um, and it's probably got um, a key piece of work, and you sort of do overlook that. Or do you sort of think of a different way of getting someone in, like you know, a contract instead? Has anyone
3: done anything creative like that? I, th- I think for, for, for I've thought about this a lot um, you know, over the certainly over the, the last couple of years, um, and you know, it's I think for for, for me and um, you know, the sort of the sort of roles and relationships that I have with uh, with candidates and stakeholders um, means that. Now, look, I'm never, I'm never necessarily going to be the person that makes that decision on whether or not someone ultimately ends up in the door. Um, but it's working with, you know, it's working with leadership to get them to think about, okay, look, where is the tolerance level? And, you know, look, absolutely, you know, there's, there's, there's options like, you know, putting people on a on a contract basis. And then the the, the other thing that starts to play into it is the whole remote work side of it as well, like. You know, does that mean that we have a little bit more tolerance because actually, look, we might this person may not necessarily be in an office with us, you know, five days a week. So, you know, can we put up with it a little bit on the basis that most of the time they're going to be sat at home um, doing the work? You know, can, does that build, does that give us a bit more of a tolerance factor as well? Um, I, I don't know uh, is the, is where I'm coming from, but it's just it's interesting to start thinking about.
0: I, 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 it's an interesting point, actually. I think, it, I, I guess, it depends on what what the particular, um, you know, particular culture failing, if you want to call it that, that that person, you know, um, displays. You know, if it's if it's to, to Rebecca's point earlier, if it's they're not prepared to, to empty the dishwasher, then well, they're, if they're at home, it's their own dishwasher. That, that's their problem. Um, you know, um, uh, you know. But if it's more around, you know, collaboration, um, you know, uh, having being over opinionated and 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 you know and, and not necessarily as as communicative or respectful of others you know that wherever that that person is remote or, or sitting next to you that's going to probably become an issue at some point right so I think it's interesting it, it, it but it is an interesting point where you know perhaps oh, probably even as recently as two or three years ago we all sat next to the people we worked with all the time and now we don't all the time so it's it does change that change the the the, the, the picture a little bit Rebecca
4: and look, yeah, I, you know, we we have probation periods in place for, for a very valid reason as well. Both the opportunity for the mm-hmm. candidate to test us out as well as us to, to make sure the candidate's a good fit or not. But um, if, you, if you're consistently hiring people, giving them the probation period and then realizing that they're a dickhead and you have to move on, there, there's obviously a few more issues at play here. One is that you haven't actually got the right process in place for filtering out and protecting your culture. And that's why I would rather make that call before getting them on board and risking the team and risking um, engagement and productivity just to, sort of, well, we need the bum on the seat, so let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and test them out. That, that, that was my bad hire a couple of years ago. I was desperately overwhelmed and needed someone to help me with with the workload. And I just spent most of my time fighting fires, and it was very unpleasant. So y- you can have contracts, you can have probation periods, but you've got to ask yourself again, what's the cost, and is it actually worth it? Versus your team does maybe an extra hour or two, or whatever it is, they they balance the workload between them. However, what you know, depending on what needs to be done. Um, but yeah, it's getting creative. To, to find the ways we're working around the, the, the decades, I don't think is necessarily the way forward.
0: And you you alluded earlier to um, some experience in, in this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, just answering what Matt was sort of talking about before, I think it comes into that, you know, being a bit creative sometimes. But we do have the opportunity um, to bring people on a, on a contract here. Uh, we often have to move really fast with our clients' requirements, um, and you know that that need for a really fast turnaround. We need it, and we needed it yesterday. That's probably a daily sort of situation that we often face here. Um, and to echo Rebecca, what you're saying about that process and not having that process in place, if we haven't got time to run through, you know, to go through that process and and give it the, um, you know, the time that it it requires, will often um, go to to a contract, you know, we will do the the, the skills assessment, a general um, NDH um, process, as we like to call the the non-decared process, like you're saying, Matt, but just make sure that, you know, they can go in, they can get this contract, so they've got the skills, they're ticking all your major boxes, so they can go into our client, they can get the job done, they're, um, you know, I guess, um, a high level cultural fit for the client, that's fine. And once they're in there, we get to know them, um, you know, in a bit more detail then. And then we can make sort of that assessment of, is this someone who actually culturally fits 460? Um, And, you know, we can build that relationship while they're there. Um, Sometimes, sometimes it works. And and in the sense of sometimes then they can transition over into 460. And other times we see those red flags while they're on that contract. And then when that sort of work finishes up, it's thanks very much. And, Good luck
0: yeah. moving yeah,
1: forward. Right.
0: The, the, the 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 red flag um, concept is um, yeah, something I've thought about a lot. And, um, you know, when it's a when it's a red flag, that's easy, right? It's the kind of orangey, you know, yellowy ones that you're not quite sure about where you, you know, and I suppose there are a lot of occasions and clearly we've all, We've all been in, in in situations where we can um, we can talk about where we've ex- experienced this, um, where you're more likely to take give yeah you know, the benefit of the doubt or take the risk or or you know invest in that person give yeah give them the opportunity um, because of the yeah, 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 the the speed requirements or the um, the the in you know, the, the case of um, intelligence bank there Rebecca. Um, R- rare skill set, um, uh, rare tech stack that you're, you're looking to hire for. So, yeah, it's that. I think you know, we, we 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 should all be very comfortable in turning down turning down the bright red flags, but it's those ones in the middle that, you know, the, oran- the ye- yellowy orange ones that are uh, that are perhaps yeah. harder to, to, to quantify.
4: And and with those yellow yellowy orange ones, and Matt, you talked about having a four stage process, and depending on the company, and and you know, Rich, you talked about time to fill. Some companies are going to have one or two interviews. Others, I remember was it was at Seek used to have seven or eight interviews back in the day. I don't know if they still do that. AWS has a very stringent uh, assessment policy, so it, it's you need to start getting comfortable. If if, if you're seeing those off-color flags, you know, get comfortable with going. Let's put in another step, or let's challenge these assumptions. Yes, it might slow down that time to fill, but factoring in the cost of getting it wrong, it's worth taking those extra steps or those extra measures. Um, so we all scoff at the companies that have those seven or eight processes, but generally, there, there's method to, the, to their madness. Maybe those 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 of us who are smaller and more time poor organisations without the resources aspire to that one day. But uh, yeah, there, there's I would. I, I hope not to make too many more retractions in in my future, absolutely, but uh, I, I will if 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 there is a doubt, we can always have another another assessment or or just have the courage of our convictions to walk away.
2: yeah, you'd hope you'd hope by the stage you got to make an offer that your process is robust enough that you'd been able to weed those people out prior to that point anyway, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Um I Liam, I had a question for you actually. Um sure. obviously obviously the the, the the four of us are um are internal. I was I was seen to understand this from a from an agency perspective, because obviously, you know the agency model is different and you know you, you guys don't make money and unless you unless you place candidates or roles. And uh, so that must be you know a morally questionable area for, for you guys as well to have you know, to have a great candidate who you make a position make you a good a good fit and a placement, knowing that you're you, you know, that you might not gel with them, but that um that you know that they're, they're 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 a good fit and then you're not gonna have to work with these people. Have you ever had that sort of situation where you've you've sort of pulled someone away at the last minute because you think they are they are gonna be damaging yeah, to that, really that client's culture? And yeah, it's like not I think, worth ruining the reputation yeah. to, to to do so. Yeah, right. like
0: I think I think our, our our position is 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 very similar. Obviously, we, we we look at things from a different perspective, but um, you know, we there is no benefit to us in placing a bad culture fit with the client, even if there's a you know we we the person gets the job and they start and we get a we get paid a fee and and whatnot. I mean, that's if we have <laughs> placing someone who doesn't fit in an organization is costly. For that organisation, um, and if they get that from our company, if they get that 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 personal day introduction from our company. That doesn't reflect well on us. So arguably, it's 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 as costly for us to for for one of our clients to hire a poor fit um, from um you know from us because we we introduced them. That's you know if they if it wasn't for us, they would never have hired that person. Um, I think in terms of our process, what's really important for I suppose look, we, we, it, it's impossible for us to to really quantify the culture fit for, for, for an organization if we don't have a really detailed thorough understanding of the culture of that company mm-hmm. now we can only match to what we know so um, it's a really important part of our process, and working with 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 clients, particularly new clients we haven't worked with before, to really understand their values, their culture fit, their EVP. Um, why you know why people why people want to work there? What's their what's their purpose? What's their um, you know what problem are they solving? And we can really match that to people's. Um, to people's goals and people's aspirations and and and, and the things that people uh, you know feel are, are, are important in their own lives i think engagement and I've, I've certainly spoken to a, to a couple of you about this specifically um i think engagement with the brand and the purpose and the, the 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 mission of the company that a candidate is joining is more important than it's ever been um you know in a, in a world where a good candidate can choose between four or five offers um, they will yeah quite often choose the one they feel most engaged with the one that that, that's that's doing something that they find important or or agree with or or feel good about Um, so it's it's incumbent on us to understand that um when we're working with with a with a client in terms of you know we do come across Candidates who we're sometimes not sure about in terms of that, we're not necessarily the ultimate custodians of culture, as you, you know, to, to your point earlier, uh, uh, Matt, of that client's culture. Um, so we, you know, of course, there are sometimes we just won't introduce a candidate if it's just a it's just a bad fit. If there's a, you know, for the, the the yellow orange flags that we talked about earlier, um, then what's really important to us is that. Um, uh, essential that we do this is when we're introducing a candidate and given the notes from our our, our our consultations with them our interviews with them that we raise those we raise those flags um you know um these this is our opinion of this person from a technical perspective from you know salary expectations from cultural you know whatever it might be and as part of our whole kind of consulting report on them but we don't when as i said before we're not the decision maker so we don't want to not introduce somebody based on our feeling that we have or you know, to, your, to your point earlier Ange our, our gut um, because that's not our it's not our call to make but what is our call what is um, important that we you know that we are highlighting our concerns with this candidate to the person that we're introducing them to um, and just saying hey look, look just this they said this um, which we thought was you know a potential yellow flag let's say um, so just be mindful of that. If you're going to introduce, if you're going to interview this candidate, then just be mindful of that. Then that candidate goes to interview. That is in the in the mind of the interviewer, um, and it either works, and they said, "Oh, we 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 went into more detail on that with them, and and it was fine." Or yeah, you were right. That was that was it's not for us. So you know, we we have the the I suppose in in summary the the. The pain of a bad hire is just as much for us uh, as it is for, for the end client. Um, I suppose for us it's probably, not probably, definitely more reputational. Um, you know, we don't we're not, we don't have to work with that, with that person necessarily. We don't feel the pain of, of them performing poorly in the role as it in, in as much as or in so much as it directly affects us in our role, but reputationally. And let's be honest, you know, recruiters need all the reputation, the positive reputation that, that we can get, right? In, in in our industry, so you know, we we are we are very um, very protective of, of, of our of our reputation and doing things the right way. And um, so yeah, we wouldn't, we certainly wouldn't be, um, you know, pushing a candidate through through a process and hoping they get across the fingers, hoping they get the job um, when we know they're a bad fit because it's it's just not good business, just not, not not good business sense if nothing else. Um, so. Um, so yeah, hopefully hope that, that answers your question, Matt. I will, I'm supposed to be the host here, mate. You're not supposed to be putting me on the spot. Um, yes. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just get marketing to, head, to edit that by right now. That's fine. Um, all good. <laughs> um, yeah, look, uh, that that time has has flown by. Um, so I think we've covered a lot there. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, I've made a, a, some notes or some some takeaways that that are, you know opened my mind to to a few things and some, you know, some um, ideas and insights um just like this, again thank you all for for taking the time out we are all all incredibly time poor you know we're all recruiters in in the in the craziest recruitment market um that, that probably the world's ever seen so for us to be able to have to, to, to taken this time out of your day to speak to us and, and our audience today has been it's really appreciated thank you very much um and yeah look um
4: i uh, i hope to speak to you all again very soon thanks very much